Can I just, uh, we're on resurrection power part three. Just can't get away from resurrection. It's, uh, but let me give you a couple of testimonies to, to kick us off this morning. Some of you know that I spoke at an X conference uh, just a few weeks ago, and uh, I finished it off with, you know, shout grace to your mountains, and you know how we do that all the time. Uh, you, do you know sometimes something actually happens when you do that? <laughs> all right. <laughs> so uh, this couple, they had a, um, a, a hub at AUT, a, a hub where they could just, you know, share the Lord or do, do all that sort of stuff, kind of be a Christian witness. But they wanted to get into the University of Auckland. And they'd be trying to get in, but the committee said, no, 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 you can't come in here because you are faith-based. If you get rid of all the religious stuff, we will let you in and have a hub at Auckland, uh, University of Auckland. They heard my message on shouting grace. So straight after the meeting, this is faith, they went down to the University of Auckland and they shouted grace five times and what is it, five times in front of the chaplaincy, five times in front of the association, and they shouted grace five times in front of the student's office. And after that, the same committee that said you can't have a hub here said we will now approve of you being an official hub at the University of Auckland campus. Go shout grace to your problems, man, and to your mountain, whatever it is. Another testament, you know, we had this uh, prayer roll to call this morning. Um, things happen, by the way, on these calls, and I uh, heard of one story, a couple came up just for uh, some, something they were facing in their lives, but as they were prayed for, the husband broke out speaking in other tongues. Wow. He was so excited, uh, they, didn't even, they weren't even praying for that because he had never spoken in tongues before. Resurrection power, friends. God is starting to move, and we just need to see him move a whole lot more. Hey, I want to share with you three truths about the resurrection that I believe can profoundly impact your life. So would you tell the person nearby to you, please listen carefully. Uh, this message is just for you. I'm going to start off with the good news. The good news is this. And uh, you know, this will help you understand what life is really about, because a lot of people don't understand life. It just doesn't make sense to them. Their perspectives are all wrong. So number one is, you will live forever. Hello, tell the person next to you, you will live forever. So don't worry about dying. Do not worry about dying, you will live forever. So if you don't realize this, all your focus in life is gonna be in the wrong, thing, in the wrong places, and life will not make sense to you at all. Titus 1 verse two says, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God has promised you have eternal life. You will live forever and ever, either in heaven or in hell, one of the two. Uh, then there's Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. He has put eternity in their hearts. There's eternity in your heart. Do you know what? That means? That's one reason why you want to keep on living. Because you actually meant to. It's, it's, it's eternity has been put in your heart. The mistake we make is we want to keep living on earth forever. <laughs> but God says, no, 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 you will live forever, but don't focus on living on earth forever. There's somewhere far better for you to live forever and ever. So this is one of the reasons we want to stay alive. So we'll do everything we can to stay alive because God's actually put eternity in our hearts. You know what got me saved? I just couldn't believe, 20 odd years old, I couldn't believe that life was, you're born, you go to school, have a career, make some money, get married, have kids, 
live some more years, and then die. Even my non-Christian brain told me that cannot be right. There's got to be more than to life than all of that. So why bust your guts trying to get to the top of the ladder, you know, and have your name all over the place, you're a CEO, you're a president, whatever, and then you die? What a waste of time. Anyone with me today? So we've got we to understand this. Otherwise, we're gonna, our lives are going to be lived all messed up in a very big way. Maybe the greatest message of the resurrection is this. Understanding that you live on earth 70, 80, maybe a few years if, if you're fortunate enough or unfortunate enough, depends on how you look at it. But then you live for trillions and zillions of years forever and ever and ever and ever for eternity. Who reckons it's smart to focus on the trillions of years you're going to live for in heaven than on the 70 or 80 or 90 you live on earth? And yet the, the devil has, has deceived us and focusing on this moment we have on earth and ignoring the billions of years, billions, trillions, that we're going to live forever and ever and ever. Tell the person next to you again, you will live forever. Tell them again, you will live forever. Because most of us don't get it. We kind of know it here, but we don't know it where it really matters. C.S. Lewis put it this way, once a man is united to God, how could he not live forever? God's eternal? You're united to God? You've got to live forever. Not rocket science. So, this preacher's wife worked with these senior citizens, one of the poorest communities in the United States. What they noticed as they got older the marked difference between the whites and the blacks. The whites tended to get very nervous and anxious about old age, complained a lot about their health and all the rest of it. But the blacks maintained a good humor and a triumphant spirit, even though they had more reason to be depressed and despairing. Do you know what the difference was? The blacks had a hope that traced to their bedrock belief in heaven. It was locked inside of them. Somehow through history, you know, you'd hear of the slaves, the black slaves that would be singing all, swing low, sweet chariot, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. They had all these songs and they had this, I guess because their lives were so hard on earth that this, this belief in heaven was so established in their lives, so strong, they were just waiting for heaven. And I reckon even today, I've never been to one, if you went to a black American funeral, the preacher would paint these pictures of heaven so powerfully, so profound, people would start fidgeting in their chairs, all wanting to go to heaven. That's how real, friends. And I want that to become real to you. Because yeah. if that doesn't become real to you, you're going to do every, you're just going to live on and on and on and on forever. What would you want to live on in this hell of a life on earth? <laughs> you know, this sin-sick world where there's disaster on every front, there's pain and sickness and depression and despair. Why would you want to live on and on and on here when there's this other place waiting? There's absolutely majestic and wonderful beyond any words that I could ever express to you. You will live forever. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 and 32. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of 
all men most pitiable. If the dead do not rise, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. There's no resurrection. If this life is it, folks, go for it. <laughs> eat, drink, be merry, live it up. And that's what a lot of people in the world are doing, but it's a huge mistake because we do live forever. See, Paul, after all his suffering and all his sacrificing, he concludes if he's not raised from the dead, if there's no eternal, no heaven, then he is most, to be most pitied. But the fact is he will be raised again. You see, friends, I wouldn't sacrifice for God today as I do. I could do more. I wouldn't pray and fast like we did for three days. You know, I wouldn't travel to third world countries like Pakistan and India and Egypt and other places. I wouldn't serve God day after day with all the strength and energy he gives me if this life was it and there was no resurrection and there were no eternal rewards. I would not do it, folks. I live on the basis that there is a resurrection and that how I live for God now matters, it infinitely matters. And that's what Paul had, you see. He had this understanding of the resurrection. And, uh, you know, it freed him. It the resurrection, you see, radically affected how he lived his life. Radically affected it. Changed everything. Because he knew it wasn't about this life. It was actually all about the next life. It freed him from materialism, consumerism, wanting a good life. Not that that's wrong, but it freed him from it. So I've told you about the one-way missionaries. So there'd be missionaries that go into places like Africa. <clears throat> they take their coffins with them. They say, we're going, and we ain't coming back. We're probably not going to live for very long, but we're going to out there to fulfill the mission of God in our lives. Why would anyone do that? Why would you do that? Only if you understood that there is a resurrection and there is a mighty reward for living for Jesus in this life with every ounce of strength that he gives you. Does it, see, they, they, weren't, they weren't focused on the, the 30, 40, 60, 70, 80 years on it. They didn't care if it was 30 years. They just didn't care because they knew they were going to live for trillions of years in the next life. All that matters was doing the will of God in this life. Is it, am I getting through to somebody here this morning? If you can understand this, it's going to change your life forever. It's going to change how you live on a daily basis. <clears throat> we don't talk enough about this sort of stuff. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 12. I have not seen nor ear heard nor has entered the heart of man the things that God prepared for those who love him. I had an encounter with God on that verse. About three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, God said to me, Tark, you have no idea. You have no idea. Tark, you have no idea of what I have prepared for those who love me, of what I'll do for those who love me with all the strength that they get. Those who will serve me with all the energy they have. He said, you have no idea. And you know, when God gives you revelation, it's like, it's almost breathtaking. Living for Jesus, it's the best deal of all. So to people who are trapped today in pain, broken homes, suffering, mental health, depression, economic chaos, Jesus promises a time infinitely longer than this moment we have on earth, a time of health, a time of wholeness, a time of peace, a time of joy, 
that lasts forever and ever and ever. This is the good news of the gospel. Number two, second resurrection truth. You've got to get this one. Don't worship the goddess of eternal youth. Don't despise getting older. They say, anthropologists say that every human society that's been discovered believed in an afterlife. Every society. Why? Why would that be? Because God's put eternity in the heart of man. Inside, we all know we actually do live forever. But when we don't appreciate this, what happens is we live forever. That we, if we don't appreciate we live forever, then we value youth almost above all else. We value staying younger. We don't like getting older. Because life on earth is all we got. If that's all we've got, gosh, who wants to get old? Just got to be young. Got to enjoy it now. And we fret. Getting older, it's not a nice thing. Magazine covers. They don't have some old wrinkled person on the front, do they? Some young, smooth, young-looking face. Some beautiful body. Why? Because it's all what we value. And the elderly are not appreciated so much because they're an unwanted reminder that you're going to die. So there's billion-dollar industries now. What? Skin creams? All this other stuff to make you look younger? Billions of dollars spent on medication, to all, everything to mask the effects of aging. Why? Because we've got to look younger. And you know, everything to keep us alive just that little bit longer. Medication, life support, all of that to keep people alive while at the same time we perm permit abortion. Yeah. Go figure, folks. <laughs> we want to keep everyone alive at this end, we want to kill them at this end. Who, who reckons our world's a bit of a mess? There's no idea what's going on, has it? No idea what's going on. So there's a lot of advertisements going on now about retirement villages, but there's one that was shown to me a while ago that is particularly interesting. We're going to show it in just a moment. The clip's going to come up on the screen. And uh, you just got to what you get. You won't understand this clip unless you watch the faces, okay? Watch what happens to the faces. So we got that clip for us, folks? Medium rare for me, Mr. B. Coming right up. Can't wait. It's so a retirement village. I'll see you later. Oh, hey, Maxie. Still on for tonight's game? Yeah, bring it on. All right. Great day for it. Absolutely stunning. Happy birthday, Jerry. Oh, cheers, Max. How are you feeling? Oh, yeah, not a day over 30. <laughs> oh, you still got it, Jerry. Avida, live the age you feel. <laughs> you still got it. <laughs> Doesn't matter what age, you, what is it? You still got it. You still got it. See, everything says... You know, that La Vida is offering your life that it's like you don't get old. If you go there, you can still feel young. You can still feel like you're 30. It's just not true, though, is it? We all know that. See, everything says you don't want to get older. Old is bad. Old is bad. The goal is to stay young for as long as you can. Recapture your youth. 
Don't focus on getting wiser or developing the inside, the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, no, no, no. Stay, focus on the outside. Outside is what matters, friends. But as the years pass, can I say this? We should, our focus should be to finish our race, become more like Jesus, and to get closer to God. Older Christians who love God are among the most wonderful people on this planet. I thought that might get a clap from a couple of people, but... Well, we're going to have a clap very shortly, actually. You know, I'm a lot kinder, compassionate, and a nicer person to be around now than 10 or 20 years ago because you focus on developing the inside. The whole focus is not on the outside. Those older are a great strength, a great source of strength, of wisdom, and of guidance. The elderly Christians are a massive, massive asset to society. As the years go by, they have more and more to offer God and to offer the world. So on campuses, join us now. I want us to put our hands together for all the elderly Christians who love God. Amazing, isn't it? When you don't understand the resurrection and eternity, we get it all wrong. Youth is worshipped, and it's just a lie of the enemy. But so many buy into this that it affects all of us. We all start to buy into it. We need some people who stop buying into this narrative and enjoy getting a bit older, wiser, and closer to God, and actually closer to heaven. Where would you prefer to spend the rest of your life, by the way? Just, we'll have a show of hands here. How many prefer to spend the rest of your life, the next trillion years on this earth? How many prefer to spend it on heaven, in heaven? And the rest of you don't know. <laughs> the problem is, everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Yeah, true. How are you going to get there? <laughs> <laughs> Youth is worship. Anyway, anyway, guess what? We all get a resurrection body. So we actually do enjoy eternal youth after all. Some people who have been to heaven reckon we look about 30 years of age. I don't know how that all works, but Jesus died around that age. So I reckon that's a pretty good number to take a hold of. So friends, relax. Don't worry about eternal youth now. You're going to have eternal youth there. You will never age. You will never get old. You will never wrinkle when you get to the next life. <laughs> but some of you still want to stay here. I can tell. Why on earth you want that? I have no idea. All right. One last point, the third resurrection truth. Now, you've got to get this one. You've got to focus on rewards in heaven. Not rewards. Rewards in this life is good, but the focus needs to be rewards in the next life. Because the rewards you get in this life, you only got for 70, 80, 90 years. The rewards you get for next life, you've got for trillions and zillions and quadrillions of years. It's yours forever. See if I can get this message across to you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. What that means is you simply, we're going to all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, stand before God, and we're going to, he's going to take note of all the things that we have done in life and how, how well we have served God and what we've done for him and sacrificed and all the rest like they're possible, and we'll be rewarded accordingly. It's as simple as that. Rewards based on how we live in the short few years we have on earth. <clears throat> Pastor's wife, she was a young girl. God took her to heaven in a vision. The angel meets her, and walking down this road, shows her this house that is, that is almost completed. The first house was nearly completed. See, this is your father's house, and he died very soon after. Went along the street further along, there was another house that was half complete. She said, the angel said, this is your mother's house, uh, and she lived on for a bit longer. It was only half completed. Went to another plot of land, and on it, all, all that was on there was some bits of sticks. And the angel said to this young girl, she said, this is your house, but you've not sent us any material to build with. The materials made available to build our heavenly home are the good works we do in serving God. Quality of our house in heaven, our eternal rewards depend on how faithfully, diligently, sacrificially we have served God in this life. Houses are on different levels in heaven as well, depending on where, how well you've served God. So every moment you have serving God, you're just sending up some more material to build your home. Every visit you make, every phone call, every act of kindness, every prayer that you pray, every kindness, they reckon every smile is rewarded. Every cup of cold water you provide here, it's going to be rewarded, friends. Every lonely person you reach out to, every depressed person you care for, every act of hospitality that you show people, every time you help a neighbor for whatever reason, there's a reward. You're sending up more material all the time. Everyone's serving. Today, people serving in kids' church. Right now, they're sending up material in heaven. Those in the music department, the media department, the ushering, cafe, security, wherever it is, serving, they're sending up material. Sending up material all the time. And God's building. God's building your house, your eternal home. So my question for you today is, what's your house looking like? So... Let's put up a couple of, now this is not the reality, all right, but just give you a bit of an image of what the possibilities are. So let's have the first one up there. Is that your home there? Bit of a, it's, you've got the greenery there, okay, a bit of heaven there, but it's not a great place because you ain't done too much serving, too much time doing your own thing and not enough sacrifice. But for those of you who have maybe done a bit better than that, let's have the next one. It's not bad, eh? Let's give you the first one again. Can we go backwards? There you go. There you go. She. I can actually see someone in there. Just looking at what. I won't point to who it is, but I think I know a few people. <laughs> no, just kidding. What about the next one? Let's go back. 
may seem humorous, but this is deadly serious. It's deadly serious. This is probably the most important message I could ever preach. Because your eternity is yours for trillions and zillions. And the fact is, folks, there's no second chance. There's no second shot at this. You can't say, oh, no, no, well, I'll really, Lord God, give me another chance, God, I'm going to really serve, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to, I'm going to use my gifts to serve you. There's no second chance. You've got one shot. Got one shot at this. Let's just show that first hut once more just to scare a few people. <laughs> That's if you don't serve God with fire, passion, and zeal every day of your life. That's what you probably get. Maybe a bit better than that. But my prayers for all of us will have the next one. There you go. So the key issue is this. I've got a few more minutes on this. The key issue is not what your home on earth looks like, but your home in heaven. That's what really matters. So don't focus too much on this home on earth. Hey, I hope you have a nice home. I do. I really, I've got a nice home. I tell you right, it's not my focus. Oh, not by a long way. It's not my focus. And neither should be yours. Far important is the home God is building for you in heaven. It is not so much how wealthy you are on earth. You may be wealthy. You may, you may have your retirement all sorted out. Good for you. I hope you have. It's not what really matters. What matters is how wealthy are you in the next life? How much treasure are you sending up to heaven? How much are you sowing into the eternal kingdom of God? That's what matters. Think about this. Some Christians on earth will have wonderful homes. And you may be even envious. Others on, Christians on, home, on earth have no home. Maybe homeless, maybe rent all their lives. I pray that that changes. That's not the issue. Far, far more important is what your home like in heaven. And some people on earth who have fantastic homes here are going to have huts in heaven. And some people who are homeless on earth are going to have mansions yeah, in heaven. I just hope this message can get through because... Trillions of years depend on it. Your whole eternity depends on it. Psalm 103, 15 to 16. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. The Bible makes it clear our life on earth is a moment. It's a whisper. It's a shadow. It's a second. Gone. Gone. Some of you think you're young. You're not. You're moments away. You're moments away from the next life. So, where's our focus going to be? The moment? 
or the trillions of years. The greatest deception of Satan is you focus on the moment. You know, some people focus on the moment, so if the moment doesn't work out well for them, they're mad at God. Some will even stop serving God because of their moment is not what it, they want it to be. Friends, that's a huge mistake. Because it's not what your life is like on earth. You know, one of the greatest truths I think I could ever try to get across campuses, online, wherever you are, to all of us today is this. That life is far less about how things, how well things go for you on earth and infinitely more about how things go for you in the next life. Can I say that again? One of the greatest truths I could ever impart to you is that life is far less about how you do on, on this life, how well things go for you on this life, and infinitely more about how well it goes for you in the next life. Let's not let the enemy deceive us into having it, wanting it all here and now. I mean, look at the life Paul, the apostle Paul lived, just rotten to the core, to the core, same with Jesus, terrible lives on earth. But they knew that's not what it was about. What it was about was a, the next life. This is a call for all of us, campuses as well. Let's take a hard look at our lives to see if they are shaped by the resurrection and eternal rewards, or are they shaped by how we're gonna do in this life? Do we make decisions based on gain now or for gain in the world to come? I read this, that um, God's gonna give us, by the end of the year, you'll be given 365 days, 8,760 hours, 2,920 spent in sleep, same amount of work, and the same hours you have left are to spend in preparation for the next life of sending up timber. So we have a short time to prepare for such a long time. We have an hour to prepare for eternity. We have a moment to get ready for trillions and zillions of years. I wanna read my next statement. To fail to fully prepare for the next life is an act of greatest moral folly. To fail to fully live for God, serve Him with every ounce of strength He gives you and prepare for the next life. To fail to do that is the single greatest act of moral folly. Please let none of us make that grave mistake. 1 John 4, 17, that we have confidence on the day of judgment. We have confidence. We have confidence on the day of judgment. You can live your life today. Now, if you're shocked by this message as I was when I first got it, better you're shocked now than then. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Better you're shocked today and thinking, man, I better get my act together. <laughs> better be shocked now. Better say, man, that was tough, pastor. Good. If you needed it, good. If I needed it, good. Better shock now because I want you to stand before God with confidence, you know, boldness. No. God, I served you with every ounce of strength you gave me. I poured my life into the kingdom of God right to my final breath. Can I repeat that? To my final breath. 
I serve God with passion and fire and zeal and sacrifice and commitment, using my gifts and all God had given me to the last moment. No slowing down, folks. We go out in a blaze of glory. The Bible never belittles human tragedy or struggle or suffering. But it does add one key word, temporary. It's all temporary, folks. Your struggle may be tough. God doesn't minimize it, but it is temporary. Your battle may be tough. God doesn't minimize it. It's temporary. Your pain and hurt and suffering may be huge. God does not belittle it. But he adds one word, temporary. Temporary. Temporary, friends. It's for a moment. It's for a whisper. Then there is this promise of goodness, peace, joy, fulfillment, satisfaction beyond our wildest dreams. So there is an extremely happy ending after all. In Jesus' name. Amen.